From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Parkinson's disease is a degenerative neurological disease and its incidence is increasing. Here with some important information about how its progression can be delayed is Dr. Amy DeBlois. She's a board-certified neurology physical therapist. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. DeBlois. Thank you, Amber. So you worked clinically uh, in neurological physical therapy for 14 years before joining the faculty here at Upstate in the Department of Physical Therapy Education in 2014. Did many of your patients have Parkinson's disease? Uh, Yes, and doing that clinical work for 14 years, I worked in different settings as well. So I worked on acute care within the hospital where we definitely saw individuals with Parkinson's disease and then in inpatient rehab as well as outpatient. So um, many other neurological diagnoses, but definitely Parkinson's disease. And it's a pretty common, I mean, you hear a lot about it. A lot yes. of people are affected by this. Yes, so. uh, approximately 60,000 new cases per year, which is expected to increase and almost double by 2040 with our aging population. I was going to say, just because people yes. are getting older and it's a disease that affects people who are older. That's mostly. correct, yes. So how does a person typically learn that they have Parkinson's disease? Is it something where they start noticing symptoms? or? Yes, yeah. so typically it's what we call motor symptoms, so an outward appearance of uh, some pretty cardinal typical symptoms. So a tremor um, that most people would associate with uh, Parkinson's disease, typically a resting tremor um, in one hand or a foot. It can also be within the face. Um, Also um, what we call bradykinesia, which is a slowness of movement. Uh, So when somebody wants to stand up quickly, Um, Their body just won't go at the speed that they were looking for it to go. Um, Another uh, common symptom is postural instability, so problems with balance that may also play into difficulties with walking. Um, We we describe freezing of gait, so they kind of get stuck to the floor, um, or they take very small shuffling steps, so changes with their walking. Um, And also rigidity, stiffness, stiffness within the spine, Um, stiffness within um, the extremities. And that is probably one of the um, most common uh, reasons somebody would seek out some care from their um, primary care physician is this the stiffness or the tremor typically. Um, And that may be kind of the earliest symptoms. And it may be that somebody else also notices it um, in terms of that clinical presentation, a family member or something like that. Some of the things that you described, the postural instability and the slowing bradykinesia, the slower, or in the freezing of the gait, things like that. Those could be other things too, right? Definitely, okay. definitely. So if those if those present, there are many other types of movement disorders that have tremors. Um, many other reasons to have postural and you know balance problems. Um, so we would rec- definitely recommend you know going to your primary care physician if they suspect um, Parkinson's disease or another neurological disorder. Then a referral to a neurologist should be made. Do you know, are there tests that are done to say, yes, it's Parkinson's or no, it's not? So that's a very good question. And at this point in time, there's no, you know, definitive, you know, biomarker test, MRI, um, blood test, nothing at this point that we can definitively say you have Parkinson's disease. So we say it it is a clinical diagnosis based on the symptoms that individuals have, those motor symptoms. That being said, what research is now showing is that there are a variety of non-motor symptoms that may be present for years before the motor symptoms occur. Really? 
So things like changes in smell, usually a loss of smell. Issues with blood pressure. Um, we, we put these under autonomic changes, which is a, a, a type of um, one part of your nervous system that mm-hmm. can control um, body functions, such as blood pressure, such as sleep. So changes in sleep patterns, um, restless sleep, insomnia, things like that. Um, so fall under that non-motor presentation. Um, depression, changes in thinking, changes in memory. Um, so really putting this whole picture together helps uh, a clinician decide whether it is likely or not. Yes, yes. Wow. And the other thing that I would definitely like to say is knowing more about those other non-motor symptoms that may be present years before the motor, clinicians, you know, physical therapists, uh, other healthcare practitioners, nurses, physicians should try and be aware of those other symptoms that might be present because what we do know is early diagnosis in terms of managing Parkinson's can also make a huge difference. Do we know what causes Parkinson's? Yeah, uh, there, it's multifactorial. So we know that there can be a genetical, genetic component. So you know, if you have a family member that has Parkinson's disease, that would increase your chances of that. We do know that there may be uh, links to um, pesticides, um, different types of heavy metals. So perhaps work that individuals have done, um, engineers or farmers, may be more uh, likely to contract um, Parkinson's disease. Links to head injury. So um, boxers, multiple head injuries um, over the years can oh, contribute to that diagnosis. And then there are some that we just don't know. Um, and, the, you know, it, it, so multifactorial, and that's part of the difficulty of, you know, figuring out who is going to um, contract this progressive disease. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Amy DeBlois. She's a board-certified neurologic physical therapist who's part of the faculty in the Department of Physical Therapy Education here at Upstate, and we're talking about Parkinson's disease. Now, at what point could someone with Parkinson's be referred to a physical therapist? I will say typically, um, once they have that diagnosis, um, traditionally, they are not referred to physical therapy until there is an issue. They fall, they break something, right? Um, And what we're advocating now is that that's too late. We want to see them as soon as that diagnosis is made. So partnering with primary care physicians, neurologists, movement disorder specialists, to at least have them in for an initial assessment. Uh, We have a battery of tests that we would um, be able to um, put them through. Um, And perhaps they don't need restorative physical therapy at that point in time, but we can make recommendations for exercise. Aerobic exercise is really that key, uh, especially in early diagnosis. So I was going to ask, what can physical therapy offer, Um, but movement types of things? Movement. Movement is key. So how often do you recommend that a person follow up with a physical therapist if they have Parkinson's disease? Yes, that's a great question. And that's something that we are are looking to change. So we don't want to see people only when they have a a fall or a break um, in a bone. Uh, Our profession is advocating for actually more of a dental model, uh, meaning every six months, we want that individual to come in for a reassessment. 
so important to be able to identify uh, whether it's a change in, in postural instability. You know, we redo the measures that we did the first time we, that we saw that individual so that we can more quickly uh, make, make those changes. And at that point, instead of, you know, just engaging in a community exercise program, we may have them stay on with us for four weeks, eight weeks to work on the gait, pro- the walking problem or the balance issue. Um, and then again, discharge them back to the community exercise program. It sounds a lot more preventive. Exactly. Like you're trying to get ahead of. That's exactly it. And if you're talking about someone who has issues with balance, um, all of the things that you described, that's not as simple as just sending them out to take a class in something, right? Well, so there are community exercise classes that are geared specifically towards individuals with Parkinson's disease. But the individuals that are uh, running those classes are well-trained and well-versed in the, the parameters that should be included. Okay. There is no one specific exercise that is the end-all be-all. It is something that gets individuals moving, something that they enjoy, Typically, that's something that includes socialization, which is what many of us um, appreciate when we're exercising. So group versus personal yes, training. Yes, there's definitely some research to support um, better adherence to exercise when you're doing uh, a group type of exercise. And the key is moderate to high intensity. So getting the heart rate up. So moderate to high. So not the low intensity things is not correct. as meaningful. Correct. Okay. Uh, so based on animal model research, right? So little mice and things like that. Uh, We know that we have to um, elicit higher heart rates. Um, And uh, that hasn't been, well, in animal research, they have been able to show um, that can actually delay progression of Parkinson's disease. We haven't been able to make that link in humans at this point in time, Um, but it, it certainly is very promising. Um, so, so yes. So making sure you find something that you enjoy and that you do it at least 150 minutes a week at a high heart rate. What counts as moderate or high? Yes. So that is where a trained physical therapist or other individuals really needs to take part in helping the individual come up with that exercise program. So we would look at their resting heart rate and determine, um, you know, 60 to 85% of that maximum heart rate and have them exercise at that level. And so with, it might be different for each person. It, it definitely is. Okay. So it does need to be tailored. But with technology these days, you know, Apple Watches, Fitbits, you know, everything can keep your heart rate. So once you're able to figure out what that target heart rate is, and it may change over time, if somebody has been pretty sedentary, the amount of activity to get up into that target heart rate in the beginning may not be a lot. But then it needs to be pushed as hopefully they continue to do that. Um, and, and an individual, 150 minutes a week, I had said um, previously, if, if they're new to exercise, maybe they're just doing 10 minutes at a time, right? They can't do 30 minutes a day. Um, but in terms of incorporating it into their schedule, you know, maybe eventually they can do 50 minutes at a time. So they just do three days a week, right? So there's many ways you can get to that 150 minutes. Now, I've heard of um, yoga and Tai Chi as being good for balance, for improving balance. Sure. Um, but those aren't really for heart rate. Correct. Correct. Now, they may be very important to work on some of those postural instability issues that individuals may have. So this uh, would be an addition. to This that, would then. be an addition to that. But that being said, there may be individuals who may be able to get up to those target heart rates doing Tai Chi. It would really depend on the individual. Or the type of Tai Chi or how advanced that you're doing. Exactly. Also, um, uh, things like dancing. 
um, has really, you know, there's some local groups here that do dance programs specific with individuals with Parkinson's disease. And uh, some individuals, because of their balance deficits, might have to do it from a seated position. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're able to modify some of those things to make sure they're safe, still with that end goal of being able to get up to, to standing and, and really get that heart rate up. So I know there's a lot of measuring devices and Fitbits and things yeah. out there, but I've always heard that um, breaking a sweat is an indicator. Is is that true that you're working enough to get some benefit? So for most people, yes. Um, the issue with individuals with Parkinson's disease, I had mentioned that word autonomic earlier. So that system that can control when we're sweating, control your blood pressure, that can be affected with Parkinson's disease. So, so really heart rate would be the best indicator. That's what we would advise people to go by. If people don't have access to the fancy equipment, we can certainly teach someone how to calculate their heart rate um, just um, by checking their pulse. Okay. And in terms of, you know, moderate intensity, can walking fall into that? Yes, for sure. Okay. Walking, uh, stationary bike, okay. um, swimming, uh, biking, biking over some, ground. Yeah. Some people who haven't really done a lot of exercise, this could be a whole new thing for them. And starting out, it can be intimidating. It can be intimidating. I think especially when a lot of times you see um, in the media all, you know, like the, the boxing classes and things like that where, you know, people really are working up a sweat. Um, individuals at home, they see that and they might think, I can't do that, right? Um, well, I can tell you they can do that. There's support in those community programs. Uh, somebody can walk in there with a walker or in a wheelchair, and they can modify those exercises and, and make progress, which is really, really exciting. So I know it's o- only animal research, but um, tell us again, this has been shown to slow the progression of Parkinson's symptoms? So it has been shown, we haven't been able to, to actually show that yet. Um, what we have been able to show more recently, so 2017, 2018, is some changes within the brain. Um, we call that neuroplasticity, that um, we have been able to show certain factors. They're called neurotrophic factors, so good for the nerves. Um, and one of those is something called BDNF. It's a, it's a type of factor that helps the nerves and prevents them from, from dying. And we can show increases in those protective factors with exercise. That's not just for Parkinson's disease. That's for many degenerative diseases. So even something like Alzheimer's, um, we can show that exercise can actually help. It can be neuroprotective. Well, in addition to all of the cardiac-related yes, benefits. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. So for many reasons, exercise is is medicine. Okay. Now, I plan to, on the healthlinkonair.org website, we'll link to some of the community programs that you wanted to advertise? Yes. Uh, you know, I think one of the largest uh, in the community, um, the Parkinson.org, which is the Parkinson's Foundation, and they can... Um, connect individuals with many uh, programs um, and through many of the different hospitals. Some are here at Upstate, some are um, with other individuals in the community. And, you know, I don't want to single anything out because what works for one doesn't work with enough for another. And, um, you and, know, and if one doesn't, if you try one and you don't like it, try something yes, else. Yes, right? for sure. Okay. For sure. And so many of the programs also encourage family members to attend. Um, as a matter of fact, they will attend, and during the time the individual is within doing the exercise program, they have a support group for uh, the family members. 
So, um, so they are really, you know, trying to be pretty comprehensive in terms of the services that they're providing. Well, that's a great idea. So parkinson.org. Yes, correct. Okay, Parkinson's wonderful. Foundation. And uh, last year, I believe, was the um, second annual um, moving day that uh, was held here in Syracuse in June uh, at OCC and uh, just trying to bring awareness to moving. Moving for individuals with Parkinson's disease is so important. And they hosted individuals, you know, yoga, as you were stating before, dancing, um, you know, different types of the um, boxing programs that we have here in this community. Great. So it's a great resource to, to reach out to. Well, that's some very good information. Thank you so much for being here. My guest has been Upstate Doctor of Physical Therapy, Amy DeBlois. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.